We got a great show for you today, guys. A great show. A damn good show. A damn good show. Fucking Christy has show. <laughs> no, we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk about some shit that was going down. First, first and foremost, we wanted to um, kind of just throw a little recognition out there. I know on the last show we talked a little bit about Nurse Life RN teaming up with this other page called Nurse Ratchet to try and cancel some chick because um, she was holding a Donald Trump. 2020 flag and we didn't really like that shit so we talked a lot of shit about it we stand i personally i can't speak for everybody but i I mean i still stand by what i said because i think it's really fucked up to try and publish the this girl's nursing school information and the dean of students for her nursing school on fucking social media to your one million followers i think that's a shitty fucking thing to do just because you don't agree with her political opinion especially in a political time i just think it's really short-sighted um, but we did find out that he was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, obviously like all of our thoughts and prayers with him and anyone else that would be diagnosed with, with, um, something like that. That's pretty, pretty fucking terrible. And I hope everything works out. And I've been, we've been listening to his videos and I, I, I feel like it's going to work out. It sounds like everything's going good for him so far. So let's just hope everything stays in the fucking right path with that. Right guys? Did you see his Agreed. did you see his video, his post about um being in the hospital? Ashley yeah. Just, yeah, Ashley just played it before you got here. Yeah. 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 Sounds like he has the um, same type of cancer that my grandmother actually has. So No kidding. Yeah, and it's got an okay prognosis, especially if you're like otherwise healthy. But um mm-hmm. I don't know all of his medical information. It's that's just kind of what I extrapolated from the from the videos. But um mm-hmm. Anyways, just wanted to throw that little like disclaimer out there because we did get pretty heated about you know the, that kind of shit in the last episode, and it was the timing wasn't exactly amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, anyways, moving along, moving right along. I wanted to talk about some shit that has been going down at my hospital, at some hospitals that I've worked at. I've worked, spent some time in the ER. I've spent some time in the ICU. That's Basically, my career as a nurse has been divided between intensive care and um, acute care ER experience. I think you can see it in most hospitals, though. You know, not like I know what we're going to end up talking about here, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it. I think it's a pretty widespread culture. It's not just ER, ICU. It's it's every. Yeah, saying, it's every. It's because you've yeah. worked in tele, you've worked in step down progressive care, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. What, what we're talking about is the the topic of today's podcast is nurses practicing outside of their scope, right? And what we mean by Slippery that, slope. yes, what we mean by that is, you know, putting in orders like in the, in the ER, you have these things that they call them something different everywhere. But in Florida, they call them ANIs, advanced nursing interventions. And basically the nurses in the ER can put in blood work. Um, some basic image studies and um, EKG studies for uh, patients that come in and they meet certain symptoms. They meet certain criteria. You're covered under the hospital protocol to put in orders without a doctor for for early evaluation of patients and um, uh, expedition of, of the care. Care. Yeah. Well, well, which also the medical director of that particular unit typically is the one that formulates 
those algorithms and says, okay, someone comes in with chest pain and they're greater than 35 or younger than 35 or chest pain and they're greater than 50, you know, you get an algorithm and you get, okay, so they get a troponin, they get a CBC, they get a BMP, they get an EKG, they get a chest x-ray. They're the ones that come up with that stuff. Right. And you follow the hospital protocol. You're supposed to follow the hospital protocol. practice within those confines. But then what happens is we get the slippery slope where you have nurses that will say, well, oh, um, a CAT scan study is indicated for this kidney stone. You know, this person has uh, CVA pain and difficulty urinating and a little bit of blood in their urine. So that, you know, that a CAT scan is indicated for them. Now, this other person is having um, a headache. Why can't I put a CAT scan in for them? You know what I mean? Or a really popular one that I've seen a whole lot at this last hospital I just worked in, Fort Myers, is fluids. Everybody puts fluids on everybody. Like everybody, every patient that came into that emergency room got a liter of fluids. Now I remember when I was like a new grad in the ER at our first job that I worked with Ashley. And like, I remember one time, one of the docs that I was working with asked me to put fluids on this patient because he was tachycardic. And I was like, okay. And so I just started hanging the fluids. And then like 10 minutes later, he came and he's like, he's like, Scott, did you, did you hang those fluids yet? And I'm like, you mean the ones you told me to fucking hang? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And yeah, he's I like, did. oh, stop him right away. Stop him right away. And I was like, why? And he's like, oh, because his pro BMP is like fucking 50,000. And he's fucking yeah. CHF and we're going to drown him. And I was like, oh, shit. So like that stuck with me because that was like one of my first experiences as a nurse, you know? And I, so like after that, I'm like, I, it, it just creeps me out when people just will hang a liter of fluids right. like haphazardly Not on everybody. Not to mention, everybody. if they can take PO fluids, why the fuck are we hanging fluids on everybody? That's they another thing. They can drink, goddammit. Like, right, right. What? So it's like that. Fluids like, is like Windex. Windex yeah. doesn't fix everything and neither does fluids. <laughs> feel like it does. Though. Well, according, according to uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Yes, Windex exactly. Windex, just everything. squirt that shit on everything. It's like, uh, what's that? What's that? Uh, what's the stuff that Spanish Franks. people use for everything? Oh. Fucking when they're sick. Oh. Oh, Vicks Vapor Rub. Robotarism? No, Viva Paro. Viva Paro. Viva Paro. That's how white people say Viva Paro. Educate us, Chris. Yeah. I'm white as hell. I know, though. But no, like nurses, nurses operating outside of their scope. I had two fucking, well, first of all, have you guys experienced this? Yes. All the time. And I think sometimes it's tempting. It's very tempting not to do it because especially if you've been, let's say in the ER for a long time, like you, Mm -hmm. you see the same shit over and over and over and over. Granted, there are some things that come along that you're like, whoa, never seen that before. What the fuck is that? Right. But for the most part, you get your abdominal pains, you get your chest pains, you get your, you know, your migraines that come in, the back pains. There's things that are very common that come in all the time. And you know, when someone comes in with chest pain and they're like 55 years old, we all know they're getting a chest x-ray, they're getting a troponin. Like we know that that's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really tempting. Well, the good thing is that we do have those ANIs or whatever they're called at your hospital where you can, you know, especially in a, in a, yeah, especially in a facility where like, let's say there's a really long wait time and it's going to be like five hours before they get to a doctor. Like it's the prudent thing to do. Let's right. have these labs cooking before, you know, by the time they see a provider, everything's already resulted. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then it's, 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 it's tricky because then let's say someone comes in, They've had long periods of travel. They have a swollen leg and they've got shortness of breath and chest pain. Now you think maybe they have a PE. Right. I've had nurses like 
then they'll add a D-dimer. That's not part of the order set, but they'll add it in. That is practicing outside of your scope. You Mm -hmm. cannot do that. You have to be so careful because what happens is now when that D-dimer comes back positive, now you have just exposed that patient to now they have to get a fucking CAT scan. You might have just exposed them to radiation for no fucking reason when necessarily there's so many reasons a D-dimer can be elevated. It doesn't mean that they have a PE and you didn't risk stratify that patient and now they have now the doctor's gonna be pissed because they gotta do something about it now. They can't just have a positive D-dimer and be like, oh well, I'm gonna take this fucking liability when they come back and drop dead two days from now with a PE and I didn't address it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah you just have to be so careful. I mean, if the order set's an order set, it's an order set. It's super frustrating to be like, I really feel like this patient needs X, Y, Z, but that is not within your scope. And unless you have run it by a physician or a provider for that matter, and they haven't given you a verbal okay, I would be very, very fucking cautious because it's your license at the end of the day and they will throw you under the bus any chance they get. They will not be taking that hit for you whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I think did that, you see that more, Scott, like in the in ICU, or did you see it more in the ER? You think? You know, it's pretty. Uh, I I don't know. It, it depends. Like what we were talking about before, in in the ER, you see a lot more of just like random orders being placed by nurses. In the ICU, you see more nurse guided orders being being taken by doctors or doctors excusing or um um uh, substituting. Uh, nurse assessment for the for the physician's assessment and that this is something that is like this is something that's driving me motherfucking like providers crazy. substituting their own assessment for the yes like assessment? in the icu it's like very just common going based off of whatever the nurse says yes it's very oh. common and like what chris was what we were talking about the other day you will uh, doctors will come and make rounds in the icu mm-hmm. and if you're like a nurse that they trust then they won't even see the patient. And they'll even write in the note that spoke with nurse, uh, agreed to continue plan of care, blah, blah, blah. They'll even write that in their notes, their progress notes on the patient. So like, yeah, but I've, they'll I've also... Lost, no, I'm saying I, I've lost count of how many times like I've had patients, like because when I was working in ICU back home in Florida, I've lost count of how many times I've had doctors coming around on my patients and they wouldn't even go into the room wouldn't even touch a steth i, I even saw one time a, a doctor come and put a stethoscope on a patient but the the stethoscope it wasn't even in, in his ears <laughs> sir that's not, not a on. joke not a joke this is not, not a, a not a joke but this is what i'm Mm-mm. saying like what it's what? It, it, it creates they're, they're just going they're, they're they're choosing the plan of care and they're directing the plan of care based off of whatever the nurse says and wait that's, Hold the phone. The... Hold the phone because they're the ones that are always so pro. Like, if you want to be a fucking doctor, go to fucking medical school. Yeah, I and know. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, but you're going to take my fucking word for it now? Are you fucking kidding? Like, it's the thing is, it's just yeah. when, you... when I walk into the hospital, I'm like, I'm not a doctor. Okay? Right. I'm a fucking like, we know nurse. our lane. Just, yeah, yeah, but the problem I'll is, you, you can't. What's wrong with the patient. It depends on the culture at the unit that you work at. Because there's like, um, for instance, now this is going to bring me to some fucking shit that is really going to grind my gears, man. Um, <laughs> like the the hospital that I just got finished working at, they have created a culture of complacency and their physicians. And I don't know why, I don't know how or when it happened, but this is, we have a situation at this hospital where you have patients that aren't being seen that are bedded in 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 rooms in the emergency room 
and they're not being seen by physicians for like three, sometimes four hours at a time. Like this patient, not acceptable. It's on it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's just, it's so frustrating as a nurse, obviously for multiple reasons, for the very basic reason of, I don't want this fucking patient every five minutes coming out of the room be like, is the doctor yet? Is the doctor going to come? Is the doctor going to come? When's the doctor going to see me? It's fucking makes you, it's enough to make you want to pull your goddamn <laughs> and at chair one point out. you're like, you know what, man, that's a great fucking question. That's, I swear is to God. the doctor going to come see you? I don't know. That's what <laughs> it came to. It came down to me saying that to every, I don't know, ma'am, honest to God. If, I, if it were me, I would have seen you by now. If it were me, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm a traveler here. I don't, I'm not staff. I don't go here. I don't I'm know what staff. the fuck they do here. I don't know where they're at. I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm assuming there's something more important going on because I don't know why they haven't seen you in three goddamn hours. Honestly, it's fucking like negligent in my opinion, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it gets, what? It gets yeah. to the there's point a difference where, between being in the waiting room for five hours and not seeing a provider right. and then being bedded in the emergency room. You're checked room. I mean, in. You're in the I room mean, now. Yeah. Like, do you not, does your, does the hospital not have any type of like benchmarking? Like, this is what happens. This is what happens. I'm oh going to walk you through it. They come in, right? They get triaged. They get placed into a room. The nurse, they they want the nurse to do all of the ANIs and more. Like they don't on the record want you to do more, but off the record, you better be fucking doing more. So they want you to put in blood orders. They want you to put in imaging orders. They want you to hang a liter of saline on anyone that's tachycardic, basically. They want you to do all of this shit so that the patient is completely worked up before the physician walks in the room. That's what they want. And then what happens is that the physicians take their sweet ass time because they see a couple of lab values. They look at they look at the objective points on a piece of paper or on a computer screen. They make their assess they they judge this patient based on their history and based on what data points they have to work on today based on the lab work, x-rays and other and EKGs that the nurses can put in and they decide this is a lower spectrum patient. I don't need to right away go see that patient. The problem with that is that there's no, in my opinion, that there's no substitution for a physician's fucking assessment, dude. There's no sub- substitution for a physician walking in a room and putting eyes on a patient because things fucking change. Or a provider, well, period. I mean, it doesn't yeah, have to physician, be a physician. Um, like, I take the, yeah, I'm sorry. Provider, I period. Like someone, any provider, PA, yeah, nurse any, practitioner, physician, anybody. any provider, <laughs> anyone with advanced assessment skills that yeah. is above the level of a practicing RN. That's it. Like if you, if it's and your job, it's job at the that. end of the day. Yeah. And so what happened yeah, in, that, in that this, it's like, what's up, Chris? What I was going to say is it's not just that. It's like, if you're going to look at you can't just like guide somebody's care just based off of data points and looking at numbers. I mean, one of the first things I learned working in critical care was don't treat numbers, treat the patient. Everybody right? says you that. Know, don't treat, get, don't treat to, the monitor. Yeah, exactly. You got to look at, you have to look at the clinical picture, put eyes on the patient. Just like yeah. you said, you know, case in point, you're just pulse electrical activity. Right? PEA, yeah, case in a, point. Great, Don't treat thing. the fucking data, bitch. The data mm-hmm. says that patient has a fucking se- heart rate of 75, but if you put your fingers on his fucking arm, you're going to find out real quick that that motherfucker's dead as fuck. Right? That's all we yeah. always joke in the ER when we hear like, code blue, room 7598. And we're like, oh, shit's going down on 7 West. And then two seconds later, it's cancel code blue. Room, yeah. whatever and it's because oh and i joke and i'll go oh someone went and actually looked at their patient you know what i mean because yeah. 
they freak out because they see something and then it's like, oh, you walk in and the patient's like jumbling their wires all over the place. They're not actually in VFib, like, right. you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's, it just comes down to at the end of the day, you, you, you do, you have to treat the patient at the numbers. So the fact that these doctors just think it's fine to just look at their labs and be like, oh, they're good. It's like, no, guess what? My dad had negative troponins and had a 98% LAD occlusion and ended up with two stents the same day. So like, it doesn't, you gotta you have know, a full. Like you gotta that. have a full clinical picture, and in yeah. order and in order to have that, you need to put eyes on your patient. You need to go touch them. You need to go feel them. You need to go talk to them. You need to fucking smell them sometimes. You know, like <laughs> you smell a GI bleed. You know, seriously, like there's there are things that yeah. you cannot obtain on the computer screen. So in the, so let me walk you through a couple of instances that occurred in this facility in just one week, my final week at this facility. So the first one, the first one was there was a patient that came in. He was 66 years old and he was complaining of anxiety, right? So automatically he gets like an, an ESI of like four or three, right? He gets things. He's complaining of anxiety. They bet him because he had cardiac history. So he gets in the room and he doesn't want to be there. His girlfriend calls on the phone, says, Make sure you guys fucking see him because he's been complaining that he hasn't been feeling right for some time. And so the nurse goes in there. He's an anxiety patient. So she does an EKG and that's it. No blood work, no anything. The doctors don't see him for three hours. Doc walks in the room after three hours of not seeing this patient and has a couple conversations with him. The guy's very adamant about leaving because he doesn't want to be in the hospital. He's, nothing has changed with him since he walked in the door. He just doesn't want to be there. So Doc walks out of the room, never puts a fucking stethoscope, never does anything, walks out of the room, goes and puts the discharge order in for the patient. Patient walks out of the fucking emergency room, right? Become As soon as he gets into the waiting room, he becomes diaphoretic, and he starts struggling to breathe. He can't breathe. So he's starts banging on the doors that he that just closed behind him he's like hey i need help i need help nobody fucking heard him because he's in a place like right at the fucking you know nobody's gonna be over there so eventually someone fucking hears the guy opens the door he can't walk at this point put him in a fucking wheelchair wheel him back into the room he's gray as fuck he can't breathe he's like purse breathing nurse goes to check on him he's fucking wet from sweat Checks a pulse. He's got a thready pulse, if anything. Hooks him up to the monitor. His beating like 30-something beats per minute. Fucking heart stops. They end up coding the patient. They found out that he had a fucking saddle PE, dude, in his lungs. Now, and it's put it's so much strain on his heart that when they actually got the blood work back, his troponins were like fucking 20-something, dude. Right. Like, through the roof. Because his ventricles were like, hey, we're all set. We're done working. Thank you Yeah, so dude. So, like... It had put so much strain on his heart. If this guy, if there was just a little bit of diligence in this fucking, in this one, like if the doc would have been in there, seen him, had an actual conversation with him, done an actual assessment, then this guy would have fucking got a troponin, dude. If you would have looked at his history, if you'd have been like, oh, he's got a cardiac history, what's the harm in getting a little blood work and throwing a troponin on this guy? But the problem is that the nurse put in their assessment as anxiety on the chart anxiety 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 psychosocial anxiety 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 the doc didn't 
didn't prioritize that patient because it's a fucking anxiety patient. He's only 66 years old. You know what I mean? What's the big deal? Yeah. Walks him out of the fucking emergency room. This guy died. He died on that day. Yeah. Because nobody fucking came in to see him. There's situations like this where it's like, sometimes there's just nothing you can do. You know, sometimes there's just nothing you can do and people are going to fall through the cracks. But in this instance, there are a couple huge red flags to me. Like the fact that there's no doc that saw this guy for three hours. I don't know. Unacceptable. I don't know what they would have seen. You know, I'm not saying that docs or providers are magical people and they have this like uncanny ability to spot things. But you know what I do know is that a nurse that's been working in an emergency room or in critical care for a long time, you get feelings. And I, I, I subscribe to the idea. I don't think there's anything mystical about it. I think that you've just had enough experience that sometimes your unconscious mind picks up on cues that your conscious mind doesn't actively observe. 100%. Yeah. And so you get this feeling, this gut feeling, and you're like, something's not right, you know? But like... Don't know what it is, but it's not right. And if you're a provider... Even even when you... I mean, that is a symptom. Even when you... I I know there's tons of people that have suffered from anxiety and things like that. But I mean, even when I was in nursing school and you, you read about certain diseases and some of the symptomology literally lists a feeling of impending doom and anxiety. Right. You know, yeah. to just probe a little bit further, look look deeper into these things. Yeah, I mean, someone tells you they feel like they're going to die, you better fucking believe it. Because when they say it, it typically happens. And I've heard it, I think that I can remember right at this moment, two times in the six years I've been a nurse, and both fucking times, guess what? They died. So, you know, I believe patients when they tell me things. And I think what you were talking about, Scott, is called anchoring. It's called anchoring in on something. And it's it it is what they teach you to help avoid malpractice. Like you have been anchored in because the provider was anchored in because the nurse decided that the patient had anxiety. They wrote it all over the chart and the doctor anchored in on anxiety. Mm -hmm. They weren't looking at the big picture they weren't looking at anything else got you know they didn't even touch the fucking patient so that's you know that's an issue in of itself but it's so hard as a provider like i've done it myself like even just in like np school mm-hmm. you know i've been taught it's funny because i had an amazing preceptor in the er and it's so so hard to get sucked into that because you can read the chief complaint and you can listen to what the nurse says and then it completely changes the way you think when you walk into a room so I was taught, you know, even the patients, they'll tell you, oh, I think, um, I think I have an ear infection. And you've completely already, now you're like on the ear infection train and you have rid- ridden that wave and my preceptor will be like, okay, so what do you think is going on? And I'll be like, okay, so, you know, whatever, I did the ear exam, like, yeah, I think maybe, you know, maybe they have an ear infection. And he's like, what did you just do? And I'm like, I let the patient tell me what, what was wrong with them. That's what I did. You yeah. know, like my bad. Like I let them lead me down a rabbit hole and that's just called being anchored in. And that happens so frequently in the ER. And unfortunately, this brings me to a topic of triage. Triage is so important. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where you can't, you can't throw anybody out there. Like if you're in triage, it's because hopefully... Your hospital's doing it right, and you've got some good experience under your belt, and you're able to look at a patient and and think to yourself, like, 
even even if they're just telling you, oh, I have anxiety, you should be able, there's certain people to look at and say, okay, that doesn't look like anxiety to me. Like the patients right. don't know. They don't have a medical degree. Like probe a little further, ask more questions. And the problem with triage too is that they want you to go so quick. You know, three minutes, they want you to get the whole fucking story and decide what level of care this patient is going to be and how quickly, which does affect how quickly they're going to get seen. You know, if I make you a level two, you're going to get seen faster than a level three or a level four. You know, yeah. level five, you might be in the waiting room for six fucking hours. You know what I mean? So, you know, I find people knocking on the way I triage all the time. They'll be like, oh, he put this whole narrative. And I'm like, you know what? You're fucking welcome that I put a narrative because I just got so much more information that I would have gotten had I not asked those questions that affect the acuity of this patient. Right. Like, I literally had a patient that walked in yesterday, not yesterday, uh, recently. They walked in recently. And um, he was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm having rectal bleeding. And um, there's this particular nurse that likes to tell people, like, how to triage. And I'm like, well, I'm a fan of my license, and I'd like to keep it that way. And so um, that's fine if you want to triage like that, but I'm going to triage how I want to triage because right. that's how I do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I made the patient. He's like, I'm, I'm having rectal bleeding. And that was it. She wanted to, like, cut off the questioning. Okay, rectal bleeding, how many days? Two days, done, period. Didn't want to ask any more questions. And so after he got his vital signs done, I brought him back in and I was like, okay, so how, you know, how long has this been going on? Have you, you know, any dark stools? Are they red stools? Is it only when you wipe? Is it like mixed in with the stool? Are you vomiting any blood? Do you have abdominal pain and you have rectal pain? Do you have any history that would make sense that you're having rectal bleeding? And he's like, oh yeah, well, I just had a procedure, um, you know, uh, like five days ago I had like a banding procedure for like, um, hemorrhoids or something that he had um key detail like that's important that's good to know right Mm -hmm. um the guy's pale as fuck he looks like whiter than a ghost so he actually looks like he probably hasn't been bleeding quite a bit like you know what i mean he's short i'm like are you short of breath yes i'm short of breath yeah probably because you're anemic as fuck you know what i mean like these are all important things that need to be asked and People, like, don't want to ask the questions. And I'm like, you know what? If it took an extra two minutes, guess what? It took an extra two minutes. She was like, oh, you meet that patient in acuity level two? And I'm, and she's like, why? I'm like, uh, well, I asked a few more questions. He's short of breath. He looks pale. He has been bleeding quite a bit. Um, just had a procedure. So makes it even more likely that he's, he has probably had a legit amount of bleeding. And guess what? His hemoglobin was five. He was having p- passing fist-sized clots out of his asshole, this man. And I ended up, it was one of those days where I was like floating, so I was in triage, and then I ended up actually being in the back of taking care of patients. Mm-hmm. And I was I was the one changing this guy's diaper every half an hour because he was passing huge amounts of blood. Huge. Gross. And I was like, so let me explain again to you why I made this patient a level two, ma'am. He ended up going to the operating room for like emergency surgery because he was passing so much blood and needing a blood transfusion. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, and, and, and people, like, for example, nurses love to make a diagnosis in triage. It's not your job to write a chief complaint of anxiety. That shit pisses me off. Mm-hmm. You can write other and write the narrative of what the patient says, patient states, X, Y, Z. But the second you put chief complaint of anxiety, it changes everything. It changes the acuity of the patient. It changes the perception of the provider and the nurse walking into that room like, oh, he's just got an anxiety. It's like, maybe it's fucking not. Maybe he's a saddle PE and he's going to go die in the lobby. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that, like, uh, like triaging is, is huge. And I, I like that. I like your, like, input on 
on making sure that nurses are focusing in triage and getting more information and not taking shortcuts because that's where fucking problems start. But again, like, I don't want to make this, I don't want to like create a narrative that this is somehow the nurse's issue because like I a thousand percent do not believe, like even though this nurse like typed this guy up as anxiety, she did. She, she charted him as anxiety. Everything she did was to back her assessment of anxiety. It's still not her job to stand in for the, for the physician or the provider. Absolutely it's not. It's not. And, and the, the provider needs to see the fucking patient in, an, in a timely manner, regardless of what they think based on looking at charting and based on what, what and looking at lab values, you know? Yeah. And 100%. like, and I don't, I love it. I love that nurses want to obtain, you know, I like that. I like that. Like, I like the spirit of ambition. You know, I don't, I don't ever want to like quell someone's like ambitious spirit. I, I, I think that's like a powerful thing. I think that people should, more people should be like that. You know, you should want to do more, but I also think that you should stay in your fucking lane as a oh, nurse. 100%. You know, you have like, to be so careful. Yeah. And like, I, and I don't like, the, I don't like the culture of blame that is that exists on nursing as a job. You know, like I don't like when we were talking w- about the the ICU experience. You know, like I I was brand new to the ICU and I had this patient that had like a wound vac and you know in the ER I started as an ER nurse. You know, so like we didn't get a lot of experience with wound vacs. That's not something that you see in the in emergency room. You know, so like I uh, went to the ICU. This guy had a wound vac on and and it had been off for like. I don't know how long it was off when I got him as a patient, but the doc, the residents came in, saw him, the physician came in, saw him. And then in the morning he was getting ready to go back to the operating room. And the doc that was doing the surgery saw the wound back and saw that it was off and was like, how long is this shipping off? And I'm like, I don't fucking know, dude, it was off when I got here. So I just left it that way. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't, I'm not super familiar with wound vacs. So they started fucking coming down on me. My charge nurse pulls me inside and is like, Hey, how long was this wound back off? They're not going to do the surgery now. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, dude. Like, <laughs> I understand that I don't, I miss this, but like, I'm very new to the ICU. But guess what? There's a team of residents that put eyes on this patient. Yeah. There's a doctor that put eyes on this patient that night too. None of them as new as I am to this, you know? So like, why are we blaming the nurse right now? Why is, why does this even exist? And why should charge I? Because it's easier. Too. Yeah, the charge too. The charge was coming down on me also. And it's like, the if it's anybody's fault, it's the doctor's fault for seeing that shit last night, not doing anything about it, and then, then coming and doing a, a real assessment in the morning and then finding out that it was off. If he would have done the assessment that he billed that patient for, that he put notes on that patient for, 45 minutes critical care time on that <laughs> patient for, then like he would have fucking seen that shit at night but he didn't, did he? No. So like, right. why are you blaming the nurse? You know, like I'm, it just drives me crazy because like we could do a better job and we could make, we could make the provider's job a lot easier, you know, and, and everybody has room to improve, but it's, it's a slippery slope, man. And when you get to a point where this facility is at now, where it's like, the everything is on the nurse every they want the the nurses are doing medication like detailed medication reconciliations on patients and it's like cool like the nurses know a lot about the pharmaceuticals at 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 this at this particular facility but we shouldn't have to this is clearly pharmacy's job you know like 
if I had, and they're like, oh, if the patient goes upstairs without like a detailed med rec, then like, you know, they're going to get the wrong medication and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, when does the fuck does pharmacy step in and start making sure that the patient isn't getting cross, you know, like interacting medications, you know, like why am I now suddenly at this facility responsible for these detailed med recs when I'm not anywhere else in the country, you know, like it's things like that stick out to me because I've experienced healthcare in a lot of different States now. And like, I see the way that other people do it. And it's like, this isn't really jiving, bro. You guys are putting a lot of pressure on your nurses here. And too much responsibility. I mean, you're you're asking for a fucking error. You are yeah. begging for one. And then and then what happens, dude? Like we're sitting in the fucking break room the other night, and we're just like eating our food. And then one of the techs comes over, and she's like, "Oh, I just had to fucking." Um, she's like all like like upset, you know, or whatever. She's annoyed because she's like, oh, "I just had to fucking run an EKG on this guy." The nurse asked me to run an EKG on this guy because. Uh, he sneezed and then he started having chest pain. I was like, he's totally fine. He sneezed. And she's in, I was like, oh, well, what did, they, did it show anything? And she's like, no, it's fucking totally normal. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that is annoying. And then like, we're eating and then like fucking 20 minutes later, all of a sudden you hear someone scream, help me, what the fuck? You know, from down the hallway. And we're like, what the <laughs> fuck? like the ER. <laughs> and then this guy's fucking uh, family member in that room that that chick came out of is like freaking out. So like everyone goes in the room and the guy's fucking just laying there just dead as a fucking doorknob, dude. And they found out that when he fucking sneezed, he fucking bursted his aortic aneurysm that he had. Oh no. Yeah. And this is another patient that the doc didn't see. It was like almost three full hours, like two hours and like 50 something minutes before a provider so when they when they assign themselves to the patient it's like an hour and a half and then when they actually walk in to see the patient it's like another hour and a half so like no when you assign yourself to the patient you're saying you were taking responsibility for care of that fucking patient no doc put eyes on that patient until after he fucking coded and died look these are the instances that i'm like documenting my fucking life away like yeah, my yeah, fucking but, license depends I mean, like, on it your license does depend on it but first and foremost that guy's dead dude like like uh, yeah like it's a sketchy situation and i don't want to fucking be the one to blame but at the end of the day there's a fucking human being that just no died, but you advocate dude. you advocate i'm saying every yeah, every like, time shitty, i advocate dude. i put that shit in writing because that shit will not come back on me i fucking told you that this patient looked like shit and you did fucking nothing and he was young as fuck dude like- i've had it happen i had a lady literally maybe a couple maybe two three months ago at this point this lady came in she was like a sweet little abuelita mind you she wasn't you know 30 but like fuck she came in alert and oriented like cute ass little nike sneakers you know she was like maybe 60 something years old and you know she had just recently traveled from like honduras or something Mm -hmm. and she you know okay recent travel tick number one she came in for shortness of breath she has a history of asthma okay uh she's short of breath uh she uh was it she was i think it was just short of breath i don't think she i think she decided she said she didn't have any leg swelling no leg pain no nothing like that but she had the shortness of breath and she had just traveled right it paints the pe picture so, you know, the doctor, um, this is another thing, like the language barrier. She didn't speak English. I can speak Spanglish, but I don't speak 
you know, it, it, it works for certain things. And for, for other things, I'll be completely transparent with the provider. I'm like, look, I don't feel comfortable translating for you in this instance because I don't understand what she's asking. Or mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain that in Spanish. Like, I understand what she's saying, but I can't explain it in English. And I'm like, you need to go get a translator because I think the patient obviously deserves to have a full, you know, they, need, they deserve to be understood. You know what I mean? So, anyways, he was just like, ah, whatever. Okay, we're going to work her up for a PE. Did the D-dimer. The D-dimer was elevated. She was going to get a VQ scan because her creatinine was elevated. She couldn't get a CTA of her chest. Okay, fine. So then, <clears throat> this patient's been here for quite some while. You know, nuke med studies can sometimes take a while. I don't know if it was a weekend or something, but it was taking forever. She'd been there for like five fucking hours. Yeah. Um, you know, she was fine the whole time. Like, vital signs were perfect. No complaints. She was just chilling, like joking around with me, whatever. And then I walked by the room and she was sitting on the edge of the bed and I was like, you know, asking her, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just feeling a little short of breath. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's not fine. Like (laughs) you're short of breath. Like you, you've been here for almost, you know, five, six hours. You've not complained of, you know, really like work of breathing wise. You've not really made any complaints. Right. You know, she was sitting in the bed fine. You know, you, you know what your patient looks like. They've been there for five hours. You've been in there a million times. Like, you know, Mm-hmm. And I walked by and I was like, oh, this is different. I don't know if I, how I feel about this. And then I, I, you know, I went in there and I'm looking at the monitor. Her stats are fine. Her blood pressure is fine. Her heart rate's fine. Everything looks good on paper. But looking at her, she didn't look well. Something had changed. She didn't look right. So I went to the doctor and I said, look, you know, this patient, she's been here for like five hours. She's had not a single complaint. She's been like my, my easiest patient is now on the side of the bed, like kind of complaining of some shortness of breath. And, you know, I told him, I said, look, her sats are fine. Everything is fine. It looks fine, but she doesn't look fine. And he was like, ah, I'll order an MDI inhaler because this is the era of COVID and we can't order NEBS because God forbid she has COVID. You know, Mm -hmm. now we're going to aerosolize it. So I'm like, okay, first of all, you have any idea how long it's going to take for an MDI fucking inhaler to come from the main pharmacy that has to be shipped down from fucking East Jesus Mm-hmm. By the time it gets to us, this lady is going to be in full-blown respiratory distress. She's going to have to be intubated. So anyways, as the story would go, she got worse. She looked worse. And again, I'm documenting all of this. MD aware, patient complaining of shortness of breath, MDI ordered, XYZ. Okay. Patient now complaining of severe respiratory uh, distress, MD, uh, MD made aware. He comes, and I'm like, request MD to come to the bedside. He comes to the bedside. He looks at her and he goes... Her sats are 98%. Like, what do you want me to do with that? And I go, I don't care what her sats look like. Do an ABG. Do something. She looks horrible. She is telling us she feels like she's going to die. She literally is verbalizing, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. You know, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. But everything on paper looks fine. He literally goes, I don't know what you want me to do with that. I mean, she, her sats are 98%. Her ABG, her ABG came back fine. Yeah. Assess him. Right. Let's also think. Her D-dimer was fucking five. She probably has a fucking PE. Why would would he not just immediately go to that? uh, And he was like, I mean, I I can't give her... And I go, okay, well, maybe she should be intubated at this point because she looks so bad. And he goes, her numbers look fine. Like, her ABG is fine. The monitor looks fine. And I go, okay, well, I guess we'll wait until she codes then. I think there's a a pretty, like, widespread culture to just look at numbers on a monitor. Like, going back to what we were talking about before. Like, I had a patient, uh, I mean, I have so many instances, but this actually just happened yesterday or last night when I was at work. And I had this guy that's sitting in bed huffing and puffing. He looks like he's just fucking finished running a marathon. The guy can't breathe. Mm -hmm. But he's not tachycardic. He's not tachypnic. 
O2 sat's fine. Like, I don't think people understand that the human body does what it can to compensate for a short amount of time. Yeah. Before you get tipped over and you end up in a code situation where you're in respiratory failure or your heart stops. I think there needs to be like a, um, a, I think people need to do a better job of understanding that. Not just like, oh, well, his O2 sat's like 95. He looks good. I mean, I don't know. I'll get him a nebulizer treatment or some shit and then call right. it a day. Like, no, that's not. You're, you're just, like, possibly buying the guy time. Let's, like, probe a little bit deeper. Let's, let's like, find out why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. Come put your fucking eyes on this patient, dude. You know? Yeah. It's just, that's a fucking tough, it's such a tough thing to try to, like, advocate for, man. Like, because it's, it's so touchy with people because it's, like, there's politics involved, you know? It's, there's, like, you're trying to tell someone else how to do their job. That's never like a fun thing to do, you know, especially. And, um, I, I feel like healthcare is, there's a lot of ego, you know, there's like a 100%. lot of people think that they are in a position above or below someone based on a, a, an, you know, a title and it's, and it's difficult. Yeah. And it's not just that. I mean, like you mentioned, like, uh, there's a lot of ego involved when you're working in healthcare. I think it, it's, it's, it's across all fields, including nursing too. Like mm -hmm. we were talking about this the other day, just on the phone where nurses, I think like to give themselves an ego stroke and practice outside of the scope. Like you were talking about ordering, yeah. ordering stuff that they are not trained to order. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it, that's a doctor's job. It's a doctor's job. When, when lines start getting crossed and you start doing the job of the doctor or somebody starts doing the job of the nurse. Now you're making what, job description like what your job description is and what your responsibilities are you're making it a gray area and that you can't have gray areas like that you have to yeah it needs to be very specific about but there needs to be very like it needs to be very specific what your job responsibilities are because if there's some sort of gray area about who's responsible for what that thing is not going to get done yeah why yeah. what's the point of even like yeah i i hate that man i hate like i hate when people try to overreach you know, but that's such a, it's so prevalent, dude. It's so it, it incredibly comes, I, fucking prevalent, dude. I've seen it so many times in, in ICU. It's like, especially when I get report, they're telling me about the patient and all this other stuff. And like, I don't know what the fuck the doctor is thinking. I don't mm -hmm. know what they're doing about this. I put in an order for this or whatever. Doctor still hasn't gotten back to me. I'm like, you're literally practicing you're practicing medicine, right dude. You're, like you're practicing medicine. Yeah, medicine. like oh, I put this. And if order something in, bad I... happens, you better be fucking real careful with that because yeah. it's gonna bite you in the ass. You're the one that did it, and you're the one that practiced outside but your it's, scope. It's not even just that. It, I think it fosters that same type of attitude, that same culture that I'm talking about, that breeds a gray area about job responsibilities. Yep, culture of complacency, yeah. dude. It, it. I agree with a thousand percent. I don't think it's so much like. Because like, all right, all right, like, yeah, the patient gets a, a dose of radiation for a CAT scan. Like, is it the end of the world? No. Is anyone probably going to complain about it? No. I mean, if they get cancer, yeah, like, right, you some like 20 years later. Or diagnostics in the, into the mix. All right. Okay, good. We got some more information. I don't right. think it's going to hurt too much. But now, like, and it's happened, like I said, it's, this, is, this is, I'm speaking from personal experience. You start doing even that. Even medications. Yeah, even medications. When you start doing that, then doctors are like, "Oh yeah, just just put the order in, put whatever you want." I've I don't mm -hmm. I've lost count of how many times I've said that. I've heard that. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, 
and it's it's just complacency. It's, it's, and it's and then you yeah. create you create an environment where doctors are comfortable not seeing their patients. You yeah. know, and and I right. get it. You're busy. You got a lot of shit to do. But like, you got to fucking do this job, dude. Because you know, as much as I I appreciate that you that you trust me, I appreciate person that went to medical school looks at me as person that didn't go to medical school and says like, I trust you, dude. Like I think you're doing a good enough job that you can that i trust you to fucking do my job for me i appreciate that bro but I'm, at the end of the day However, comma. i'm not you dude I'm, yeah. i didn't go to medical school at the end of the day dude i didn't study as much as you did man and like that's okay to say that man like it's okay have, to understand that i have like, no problem knowing like saying to a doctor that i don't know what you know right it's you like know, dude i'd I, like i like to think of like uh, uh like the the like nurses as like like what a nurse is to a doctor is what I think it, like a security guard is to a police officer. You know, just the eyes and ears for the doctor. At the end of the day, they're the ones that need to come through and need to diagnose a fucking patient. Yeah, that, that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, dude, because like people, you think of security guards and you think of police officers and you're like, oh, police officers are cool and security guys are like fucking Paul Blart mall cop, dude, you know? So like, but it, the, the reality is that there's a lot of truth in that statement. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of truth in that statement. You're the eyes and the ears. You're the assessment you're tools. You're the last line of defense is how I see it. Yeah, and you can advocate. You can advocate, but yeah. but you have to understand when you're doing something wrong, dude. And like you have to see the bigger picture, you know, and putting in orders for doctors and doing extra things for doctors. If, the, if you're working with a team of physicians that are diligent enough that they're seeing their patients in a timely manner and you're not having these huge fucking sentinel events happening every fucking week, you know, like, then I think that you can be a little more comfortable. But I think that, I think that like a lot of people aren't, a, a lot of people, a lot of nurses, especially newer nurses and a lot of new nurses go to the emergency room, you know, so like you see it more often, especially new nurses, they don't understand the implications of their actions, they don't understand that when you start do just because the culture exists there doesn't mean that you should fall in line because mm -hmm. when you start when you when you facilitate that kind of fucking shit like you create a, a unsafe environment for yeah. patients you and nurses you end up what you put up with is yeah. what I always say you yeah. will end up with what you put up with so if you're putting up with that kind of culture and i've seen it before i've worked in different ERs so i've seen there's some ERs that it's like, you are the nurse, stay in your lane. This is not your role. This is not what you do. And it's Same. very clear. And, and that's how and it honestly, should be, to I, be honest. I, honestly, I fucking, I like, I, Great. I, I yeah, didn't, I didn't think I would job. like it. No problem. Yeah, I didn't think I would like that environment, my... but I just got out of that. And I went from, I went from polar opposites yeah. in DC. DC was one way. They had a bajillion residents. So they didn't want nurses doing anything because they wanted the residents to learn everything. Yeah. So like. I loved it. I thought I would not like it, but I fucking loved it because it was like, oh, I don't, I don't have to do shit. That's not my fucking role. That's great, dude. Yeah, like, there's no confusion. What you shouldn't do have to. What yeah, do. there's no confusion. No right, one's getting at me for stuff clear. that I'm like, what? You know, like, you're, yeah. are you seriously complaining because I didn't order that? Like, I'm not supposed to order anything. First of all, bitch. You know, like, yeah. so, like, so I loved it. I, I loved it. Yeah. So I had a very similar experience when I, like my first travel contract. So um, I was working CVICU in Florida and I ended up picking up a CV contract in Wisconsin. I thought I was going to go to some like podunk little town where it was like middle of nowhere. And it kind of was. Cheese farms. It, Chris yeah, is the only like, doctor on site who was actually an RN. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, well, I'm, you know, coming from like this huge 1500 bed hospital. I'm going to just like 
300 bed little piece of crap thing Mm -hmm. and i show up to that place and it's fucking state of the art dude like well-oiled machine oh my god it was like a finely tuned clock it was just amazing it was their their average stay for their patients in the icu was about 12 hours after no heart surgery yes dude Mobilize those motherfuckers and get them going. Do they do the walking they, vent vents? Did you get? Did I, they have that I've, there? I've gotten that. I've, we had to get patients up out of bed, even even if they were still Walk vented. Those we, would, we would get them. Yeah, we would get them up and put them in a chair. It didn't it didn't matter what it took. They started yeah. practicing that at, at my it, last ICU hospital right as was, I was leaving. Walking dude, ventilators. Yeah, walking patients was, on ventilators. Yep, yep. And I fucking was, crazy. Walk. Tube down your three years. You're walking down there. Fucking. That's crazy. Yeah. It was the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. And um. When, when I showed up there, I think one of the reasons that it works out so well is because the doctors are heavily, heavily involved in the patient's care. Mm-hmm. They're the ones, they're the only ones that put in orders. I put in orders one time and I got a call from the manager where she was saying, hey, we don't put in the orders. The surgeons and the doctors are the ones that do that, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Was, I even had a patient that was going into respiratory fa- uh, failure after, after, after surgery. And the doc- this was like at 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, and I'm thinking like, all right, the patient needs to be tubed, and so the um, charging cell is working that night. He's like, call doctor, or whatever, make sure you give him an update. Homeboy ends up coming into the hospital at two a.m. at two a.m. to put eyes on his own patient before we said let's intubate him. Right, you know that, and that's I, how it should that's, be. That's gangster, that says, dude. That says so much, and that's that's why the patients there do so well. I, I, not a single time while I was there did I ever have to code a patient. Not a single fucking time. Yeah, because mm. they're involved, and they and and the big thing too is I think listening. Like when I'm telling you a patient looks like shit, especially like you start to know your staff. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the nurse that comes to you for everything. I don't come to you really for anything unless I need it. Mm-hmm. And or the I'm, I'm advocating on the patient's behalf. Like I don't think they look well, and I think they need to be reevaluated. Like you're welcome. I'm looking at the patient like I'm supposed to be doing because that's my job right. is to reassess the patient, to look at their vital signs, to notify you when something as abnormal or something has changed. And I'm telling you that this patient looks like shit, and that they might need to be intubated. You should take that very fucking seriously, and you should get the fuck up. I mean, I shouldn't have to ask you multiple times to come reevaluate your patient. Right. Ever. I should come to you one time and and it, and you see, and you know, you're a nurse, you know. There's doc there's some doctors that if you get up and say, "Hey, look, this guy looks like shit." They're like, "Where is the patient? What do I need to go do? 100%, let's go take a look." And if it ends up being nothing, it ends up being nothing, but I can sleep better at night knowing that I said i don't feel like something's right and you got up right away and you showed some respect and you went and took care of that patient like they should be taken care of not i have to come to you three times tell you i feel like the patient might need to be intubated and then they ended up coding and dying i mean that's not the outcome that anybody wants the the patient the patient doesn't deserve that the patient's family certainly doesn't want that i don't want that on my conscience now i feel fucking terrible and you should feel like a piece of shit for not getting up when i told you the first fucking time that's what it comes down to it comes down to just like i like I don't want this on my conscience, dude. You know, like I got enough shit on my conscience, dude. Like, yeah. I, I got, I got enough shit to deal with. I don't want like, I don't need this, especially yeah. when preventable. And I told you, like it's I told so, you, Ashley, it's so much harder when you're a traveler. You have no idea. Like, because it's like, you they can't, don't know you. they don't know you. Nobody yeah. knows you. Everyone wants you to just fucking blend in. Fly under the radar. Not just... like, not cause any ripples, dude. I remember I had, a, I had these 
this patient that had like three critical values that needed to be, you know, you have to chart a critical value within a certain time frame and you have to contact the doc and mm-hmm. let them know, you know, so this guy was like, had like a uh, critical potassium, a critical calcium and some like a critical something else. And like, I'm trying to all fucking, the makings of a cardiac event, <laughs> dude. And I'm like, I, I, I couldn't get a hold. It's, it's been worse it's ever, as it's ever been in this last hospital that I worked at. But like I couldn't yeah, get a hold of scary. the doctor. I couldn't get a hold of them. I couldn't call them. I called them multiple times. Every time I called them, I charted. Could not reach physician, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then I had them fucking overhead page this doc over the fucking, <laughs> over the ER. Because I'm like, dude, I need to get a hold of her. She needs to know that this person has right, critical Right, because then it'll be like, oh, the nurse didn't tell me. Yeah, and then it looks like I'm fucking slacking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like she overhead, pa- the, the, the secretary overhead pages this doc over the fucking thing still does not fucking get back to me, dude. And then eventually over like, uh, like 20 minutes later puts in some orders, never spoke to me. Did you go see the patient? Never talked to me, never fucking walked into the patient's room. Never yeah. once. Like, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? So like I fucking put all these notes in, right? Like, did not contact, could not contact physician. Overhead page physician, still no fucking nothing. Uh-huh. Then the fucking clinical supervisor, which at the hospital, which is like above the charge nurse, is like pulls me into the office and basically says like, hey, when you can't get a hold of the doc, you do not chart that. You do not put that on your chart. If you can't reach the physician, then you should be like, basically chasing them down through the ER. You should be like finding them. You should do everything you can, but do not chart that you couldn't put, you couldn't get a hold of them. And I'm like, are you, I was like, oh, okay. Like I was like, I don't, you know, like as a traveler, you're just like, Hey, you know, I don't want to cause any problems. Okay. Like this is the way you guys chart here. I, I was just like, Hey, listen, I, I've always been taught to chart to protect myself and my license, you know? And like, if I wasn't unable to uh, get a hold of the provider, and something were to happen to that patient, then at least I charted that I tried, you know? She's like, no, no, you can chart that you tried. Just don't keep charting it every time, you know? And I'm like... No, that bitch oh, can go fuck herself. I know. I was like... I will chart that shit every fucking I, time. I'm like, are you seriously telling me not to chart what's happening right now? Do you know how bad that sounds? So you want me to fraudulently yeah to pretend like your <laughs> physicians are seeing their patients in a timely manner when you know they're fucking not like this might fly with your little like brand new nurses that you have fucking filled your unit with but like i've been a nurse long enough to know that shit does not sound fucking good dude that shit sounds sketchy what that you're trying to make terrible. me do sounds really sketchy bro and so basically i was just like okay you know i'll do better I, i'll 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 try my best to like make sure that that doesn't happen again that we're not in a situation like that again I'll try and not to make it look like your physicians aren't doing their fucking are just fucking blatantly <laughs> fucking like irresponsible. Okay. And and it all comes back. It all comes back. It all comes back to just the, the teaching the nurses to practice outside of their scope to make, get the fucking times down. So the patients are in and out of the ER faster. Mm-hmm. So the docs, as soon as they see them, they can discharge them right away or make an admission, you know, decision right away. Yeah. Like immediately they have all the values that they need. They just fucking gl- glance the patients right. one time and they get them up or they get them out, you know? Yeah. And I think also it's important to recognize that like when there's a culture like that in the hospital, it is so easy to just ride the wave, do what mm-hmm. you're told but it's so important, especially for newer nurses, to recognize that that's that's not how it's supposed to be. You, no. That's not how it's supposed to go. And I'm the kind of person where ain't nobody going to fucking tell me. Look, I know how this goes. You're not going to fucking tell me how it goes. 
I like you will not tell me how to document. I will document how I want to document. Right. Right. And absolutely not. I will protect myself. And I've I've had that too, where I've I've written something in the chart, and they're like, "Ooh, that looks really bad for um yeah, like HR." Like that's not for HR, for um, practice. You yeah, know? like if like, there's an event, like that looks bad, and I go, you know what? I don't really care how it looks because that's, that's what, what fucking happened. happened. So yeah. that's what it's gonna be, and maybe next time, maybe that shouldn't happen, and I won't have to document that. Maybe you should. And, maybe you should have a conversation with people that are responsible instead of having conversation with the person that's transcribing the fucking events. That's like yeah. going to a courthouse and being like, hey, um documenting lady that's on her typewriter can you just you know not say the thing about the murderer because you know it makes the murderer look kind of bad yeah it's like oh bitch i'm here to fucking transcribe what happened bitch this yeah. is my job and i'm doing I mean, it and at the end of the day i think it's important to remember like you need to stick up for yourself like i've been in situations where i'm not the kind of person like i'm not afraid to stick up for myself i'm not afraid to speak up i'm not afraid to do any of that so i feel really bad for people that are afraid and become complacent because they don't want to like get themselves in trouble they don't want to make any waves make the fucking waves if you need to make the waves protect yourself because yeah i've had situations even where doctors like i need you to push xyz and i'm like no i'm not comfortable with that i'm not i will i literally have handed a syringe of medication to a physician and i said if you want it that bad you can push it yourself and i will document that you push it i want no part of that i'm not doing that and you have to advocate for yourself and you advocate for your patient like what's right for your patient you know what that gets you do you know what that gets you if you're a traveling nurse you know what that does yeah a canceled contract canceled that's what it fucking gets you and it is not a coincidence that. that i got canceled a month and a half early from this contract because of fucking census. It is not a coincidence. Right. They're like, this motherfucking sees what's going on. We got to get rid They're of like, him. Get him out. Get yeah. him out because he's going to keep putting these notes because I, ca- I, I, I do it. I You're do start influencing these other nurses to start not accepting this fucking behavior. Seriously. Because yeah, I'm like sitting saying, like you're, you're one person against an entire culture that yeah. is a whole organization. You got to get everyone yeah, exactly, on board. That hospital. It's not going to. Yeah. And Florida, if you don't have other like Florida, coworkers on board, no. it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, places like Florida that doesn't fly, there's nothing to protect you from. And yeah, out there. yeah, you know, like out here in like California, they have like unions, and you have to damn near like purposely Literally murder rapid push to lose your job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was just but, giving them a little boost. Yeah, so <laughs> a little banana boost. Yes, potassium was two point eight. I was doing the guy a favor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like in places like that, like Florida, I mean, I had the same, same, same thing. Like, um, uh, in in. When I was working in Florida, there were so many instances where I'm like, this is just not at all what I was taught to do mm-hmm. in school. And in fact, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, is this really how it is? What is protecting the nurses? Yeah. What's protecting us? What's You're stopping? protecting you. You are protecting you. And yep. you have to speak up. You and, and, and at the end of the day, guess what? You're well, a fucking I mean, nurse. You can get a job you, anywhere you, fucking you, else you in like two you, seconds. But, I mean, and truth. you have you, you have other people. You have like physicians. Like they have. Yeah. Uh, they have all kinds of insurances protecting them. They have mm-hmm. the organization that they were for standing behind. They have the mm-hmm. hospital yeah. standing by. They have unions behind them. And that's it. They have, and and they, yeah, if you're unions, in an unsafe and, culture, you know, if you're, get you're out. A nurse, it's like you're expendable. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're just another hospital. That's why, like, I like agency working as a nurse better, just because you're not like another number for the hospital. I mean, yeah, like the hospital. I looked up their policy. They could have. They had to do a lot. If they needed to terminate my contract or if they need to cancel my contract early, all they have to do is just, you know, say something. They don't have to facilitate. Like, I spoke with my recruiter after my contract was canceled at this facility. And he's like, yeah, basically, like, they don't need to provide any evidence whatsoever that the census is low or anything. Yeah, you're just kind of, you're there for as long as your 
seen in good light and then the minute you cross somebody or something or you see something wrong or you're basically out just like that so you know if you wanted to leave that's good because at least it worked out for everybody because now that you're out of this unsafe culture and like they don't have you causing any waves anymore but it's just like to me i'm just like dude how did we get to a point where these are nurses the the leadership the people in leadership there they're nurses how did we get to a point endorsing that shit. where the nurses are fucking the nurses dude yeah like you you guys should know what a shitty job this is and you should try to make it easier you should do things to support your young nurses and you should do things to help them grow into responsible good nurses you know with vast knowledge bases and fucking clinical experience that teaches them to do better for the patients you know you Not shouldn't like, oh, this is just how we do it you shouldn't make an environment that coddles fucking providers and physicians and makes it so that it's a numbers game dude like this job is above the corporations dude like helping people that are sick it transcends corporate fucking greed dude and like shame on the nurses that work in this establishment to fuck over the other nurses dude like shame on the leadership at hospitals like this dude shame on you bro like how did you get so jaded how did you get to the point that you want to fucking hurt other nurses that you want to make this job worse than it is for other nurses how did you get so far detached from the ideals that brought you into healthcare in the first place you know like how did this fucking happen to you bro like i don't get it man i look at them i see them every day when i go into this job i look at them in their fucking eyes dude and i'm just like like how did this happen to you you know like how did this happen to you bro like you should be better than this if i was in your spot if i was a leader at a hospital and not making fucking three times as much money as a traveler like i would fucking i would fucking do better man i would do but maybe that's why i'm not you because because people that don't give a fuck need to be in those positions yeah it takes a lot you know? of effort to give a fuck scott it really does like Seriously. it takes a lot out of you like i think about it at the end of the day i worry about people when i go home like i want to check on them the next day that i'm there like you know the people that were really sick and you're like wow damn what happened to that person like that's the part that sucks about being in the er like half the time we have no idea what happens to you like after you're not in our care anymore yeah and i feel for people like that the little guy that was passing fist-sized clots like you know, I wanted to know what happened to him. Like, is he okay? Like, I worry when I go home about people, especially because they don't, now with this visitor shit, like we don't have anybody in the hospital with them. They're on their own. They don't have anybody there to advocate for them. I was the advocate and now I'm gone. You know, like, yeah. and you know, sometimes you give off a report to the next nurse and you're like, fuck this. Yeah, nurse this guy's is like fucked. not, yeah, this guy's fucked. Like, this is not going to be good, which is really fucking unfortunate, mm -hmm. but it happens and I worry. And it's the, it, that's why it takes so much out of people to care. It, it, it takes a lot of effort yeah. and like energy to give a fuck. It, it's so much harder to give a fuck about people than to do, to do your job when it is like you do your job and you don't fucking care and you're going through the motions and you're just doing whatever, yeah. bare minimum to get by. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's why those people, you're right, are in those positions because they don't give a fuck. And, they don't give a fuck, man. And if they did give a fuck, they wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Damn, so. really. And you see that. You see that in a lot of charge nurses. I can think yeah. of, I can think of some charge nurses that we've worked with that were amazing, and they just get kind of kept down in the corporate machine, you know, mm -hmm. because they're and too. And their spirit like, dwindles. Yeah, 
and then they just it just eats away at their soul and then they you're leave. like what happened to you oh you went to management got it yeah yeah and then you see the ones that are like the high ups and you're like no oh, this fucking bitch again <laughs> she's fucking dead inside you know and it's like that's that's awful bro yeah it's awful but it's the way the machine fucking works dude yep unfortunately you just hope that the machine works in a way that keeps everyone safe which sometimes just hope nobody dies yeah and in some cases they do so but you gotta take off now right yeah you gotta take off early got some shit yeah i got some shit all right well uh it was a bit it was good chatting with you thanks for fucking jumping on me and chris are going to continue this convo bye bye this episode of the podcast is brought to you by dr squatch soaps oh oh feel like a man Smell like a champion. They got a, They just opened. They just came out with a fucking chalky milk. Ew. Chalky, dude. I bet it smells incredible. We're gonna get some soap, dude. All it's of all chocolate of the milk. Smell really good. Fucking soap, dude. Oh, chocolate milk. I just said chalky. Well, it's, they say chalky, like chalky milk. You know, C H O C C Y. Chalky. Oh, I think of chalky like uh, like chalk, like, like a chalk stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, chalky milk. Chocolate milk. Fucking soap. We're gonna get some of this soap, dude. We're gonna have Doctor Squash send us some of these soaps. I'm gonna we're gonna sample this chocolate milk. You know what we're gonna do? Me and Chris are gonna, oh, we're do gonna a, shower it together. Me and Chris are gonna do a fucking live episode of the podcast, just going over fucking Doctor Squash's new chocolate milk flavor. I think we should go live on Instagram while we lather each other up with chalky milk. Soap. Oh, it's going down, bro. <laughs> it's going down. I'm sure some people would be interested in seeing that. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in seeing that. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, Ash had to leave us because she has some shit to do. Ashley is a nurse practitioner, so she's way more important than us. Yeah. Yeah, no, at the end of the day, I think it's just important to remember just some take-homes from this conversation is just that fight against rage against the machine, man. Rage against the corporate fucking hospital machine that tries to bury problems and move patients because everyone has to remember why you got into this shit in the first place, man. Just trying to help people. Yeah, I think I think it, uh, and I think where you work makes a big difference too. Like, I guess uh, if there was something I knew going into nursing, would be like, because like you know, you know, nurses like apply for jobs, but they don't know what the work environment is like at that hospital until you get there. Yeah, yeah, and I've worked at five different hospitals now, and each one of them has their own little caveat to it. You know, you start to learn what works and what doesn't work, what's safe and what's not safe. I, you know, I wish there was a way that you can see what it was like to work in a hospital before you can actually start working there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would be nice, dude. That would be fucking dope. It would be nice to be able to uh, experience the culture like on a trial basis. Like, you know how like hospitals yeah. will keep you like near 90-day probationary period? Mm-hmm. Nurses should have 90-day probationary periods as well. Yeah, it's like, well, you, they, be like hey, I you can, can just wash your hands of each other if like it doesn't work out. When yeah. I worked in the trauma ICU, we had nurses that would do that. They would come in. They would see how like for whatever reason. I didn't particularly take any have any qualms with that hospital. But like some nurses would come in and be like, "This isn't for me," and they would leave after like a month. And I, I was mean, just, I was always like, "Damn, dude!" Out. You know, you're dealing with the, you're dealing with people's lives. Yeah, that's the truth, man. It's totally fair. I mean, I was working uh, when I was working in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. I, I was counting down the days for that contract to end, dude. I did not like that place at all. I felt oh it was yeah, super unsafe, super unsafe. Why was it unsafe? 
Um, it was just like what we're talking about. I think um, there was a small level of small level of like um, negligence. Okay. Where it's like um, I wouldn't I don't, I don't I wouldn't call it negligence. I would just call it like the doctors. I feel should have been more attentive. I see. Good way to put it. They just kind of became complacent. Like the nurses there liked to practice as if they are doctors. They like. They would do things and just tell a doctor, "Hey, I'm putting in orders for this, this, and this, and this, and this. Do you know? Do you want me to do anything else?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "That's not at all how you're supposed to speak to a doctor. You know, you got to give them, you know, objective and subjective information by your patient." Yes, bar, bro. Yeah, leave it up to them to decide what needs to be done. Don't yeah. don't call them and tell them what you're doing. You know, yeah, maybe it's just too much ego, man. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, you're stroking your own ego, trying to pretend and try to practice like a doctor, you're practicing medicine. You're not a doctor. Okay. You don't practice medicine. You practice nursing. That's hard to tell nurses, man. It's hard to tell nurses not to not to practice that way or, or how to practice even. I have no problem telling myself, like, that's not my job. Me too, man. Yeah. But the, I, got, I got a bad reputation for doing that, man. Like, whenever I'm like, um, like, whenever I audibly say that, like, out loud, it gets, it, it rubs people the wrong way, man. Yeah, because it, it, it just sounds bad. It sounds like you're trying to be lazy, but right. what you're really, tr- what you're all you're trying to do is make a clear, clearly defined like role and responsibility. Uh, you know, like like you're trying to just clearly define who who who's supposed to do what. Yeah. You know, if you say that's not your job, then it means just that it's not your job. I can get in trouble for doing that. Yeah, man, and it, not just can I get in trouble for it, but can I like facilitate? A bad environment, a bad work environment for everyone. Like, can or, I or can I cause somebody. more problems down the road? Yeah, you, you might know, hurt somebody too. Yeah, like, are people gonna? It's I'm sure not all hospitals end up that way, but it's like it's a lot of times. Sometimes they do, you know. Like sometimes they do, and it's like, is am I gonna contribute to making things worse for people at this place in the future? Because a lot of times people don't decide what hospital they go to; they just go to the closest one. Yeah, you know, and this one happens to be in proximity. In the closest proximity, so now I'm going to go to this hospital that has this fucked up culture, and shit's going to get swept under the rug. You know what I mean? Like it's no bueno, man. But anyways, if you took anything away from the podcast, it is don't practice outside of your scope. If you're a nurse, you're not a doc, and if you're a doc, be a fucking responsible ass doc, bro. See your patients, see them in a timely manner. Also, if you're fucking dirty, clean yourself off. With some delicious ass chocolate milk fucking Dr. Squatch soap. Some chalky milk soap. Chalky milk soap. It's so good. Yeah. I think, I think that uh, Dr. Squatch should make a medical soap line. Medical soap line. So that way all the patients can smell like a black pine tar. Black pine tar. That soap is actually really super exfoliating, dude. It feels phenomenal. Dude, I'm not even kidding, man. I, my eczema started to come back ever since I ran out of DR Squatch soap. DR Squatch? And uh, if you guys are interested in obtaining Dr. Squatch soap, but you're like, I don't like paying full price for anything because I'm a fucking executive level motherfucker and I don't pay full price for shit, you can use the code BRONERS at checkout and you get 20% off the entire motherfucking store. That's That's 20 cents. For every dollar you spend. So if you spend ten dollars, that's two dollars. It's a whole two doll hair. You know what you can do with two dollars? You could go to Publix. Soap. <laughs> you could go to Publix and you can buy 
a fucking whole bottle of Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A sauce. You have to say Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A sauce because it's Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A brand, but the name of the sauce is also Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah. For two dollars. No, I didn't I didn't know that they had that. You know there's probably people listening that don't know what Publix is. I think Publix is like a Florida thing. It is. You could go to the grocery store. I should say that. Supermercado. Supermercado. Mercado. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in to the episode today. I want to say thank you to my longtime friend and lover, Christopher Perez. Yeah. I was just kidding about the lover part. Not so much, dude. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. I love you. Come back to Florida, man. Mm. That's mm. a tough one. That's a tough mm. one for right now. I know. Callie's too good to nurses, come man. Come Callie's too good to nurses. Uh, I know I'm spoiled right now, dude. Yeah, man. And also thanks, Ash, for coming out and talking to us. She always has a lot to say about this topic. That's why I really wanted to talk to her about it. But um, and thanks, you guys, for following the fucking Bro Nurse podcast. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Listen to our episodes. Tell us what you think, man. You can DM me at the Bro Nurse Official. You can DM the fucking Bro Nurse Podcast. You can DM Christopher. You can tell us what you think. If you are offended, we got some of those messages. If you love what we're fucking doing, you get some of those messages. I just want to talk. Some ideas too. If there's anything you guys want us to talk about, let us know. Yeah, man. I just want to talk about what matters, dude. That's our that's our goal. We just want to talk about. Sometimes we just want to vent about our bullshit, but all the time we want to fucking talk about what matters. And make awesome ass podcasts for you guys. Thanks for fucking tuning in. We out. Later. Bye.